0: and Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. My name is Jocko and I used to be a Navy SEAL. I was once a proud soldier serving my country with unwavering loyalty. But now I feel like a veteran betrayed by the very government I once fought for. That's why I've decided to share my story anonymously on the internet, hoping that someone out there will understand. Growing up, I was always the outcast in my family. My siblings achieved great things in the military, earning titles and praise. Meanwhile, I felt like a loser, unable to match their incredible accomplishments, but deep down I knew I had something to prove. As a Navy SEAL, I participated in countless rescue missions after bombings during war. We were a team of ten highly skilled troops, always ready to face any challenge. But one fateful mission changed everything. We found ourselves separated from our unit, a small band of elite warriors lost in a hostile land. As we searched through the ruins, something peculiar caught our attention. Objects fell silently, as if defying the laws of physics. It sent shivers down our spines, but we pressed on. Then a weak cry for help reached our ears. We followed the sound, hoping to find survivors amidst the devastation. Instead, we stumbled upon a young man trapped between two massive rocks. Dust and blood covered his face, a grim reminder of the senseless war we were engulfed in. With a heavy heart, we realized he was already dead. His life extinguished leaving behind only questions and sorrow. But as we stood there, a sinister presence enveloped us, a darkness that defied explanation. Fear gripped us as we screamed for it to disappear, and miraculously it did. But our relief was short-lived, A new, threat-emerged guns pointed at our faces. We had fallen into the hands of another group, our captors. They forced us to reveal our unit's operational points betraying our fellow-soldiers. I cannot disclose what happened afterward, as the memories are too painful to recount. Yet, somehow, my life was spared. Now, as I tell my story from the safety of anonymity, I can't help but yearn for redemption. I may be an enemy hostage, but I feel safer in their custody than out in the desert, haunted by the malevolent entity that tormented us. I hope that one day I can find a way to make amends and find solace in the chaos that has consumed my life. As a veteran betrayed, I cling to the hope that my story will reach someone who understands the struggles I faced. The Internet has become my confessional, a place where I can share my truth without fear of judgment. May It serve as a testament to the sacrifices and hardships endured by those who fight in the shadows, unseen and unheard, but forever marked by the horrors of war. I was camping with four friends in Chile. After a long day exploring, we went back to our campsite and ate mushrooms. After four-plus hours, only three of us were still up, when one of the guys who I had only met that day fainted and went to pick him up, and his eyes were glazed over, rolling in the back of his head. I held him up and tried to keep him awake, but he passed out again. The other friend who was still up was out of it, still tripping. I was too, for sure but I managed to get him to wake the other two. We finally got the guy to drink a Coke and eat some candy. Apparently it was a blood sugar thing, because he eventually started to come to and made it to his tent. After he got situated, my heart was still racing, and then I fainted, taking a table down with me. I came around, but was told it wasn't a pretty sight. Eventually I passed out, and the next day was okay, but everyone was pretty shook about what had happened. To set the scene, it was last Sunday, November 27th, and I'm walking through the woods to avoid interacting with guests like the average antisocial teenager I am. I have one of my uncle's dogs with me, Duke, a 150-pound Great Dane, as we're passing through a clearing. I state the size and breed of dog to demonstrate how out of character his behavior will be. As we get about halfway through the clearing, he begins to walk slower and begin to whine. I assume he hurt his paw, so I check him over, but find nothing. I turn around, and in my flashlight beam I can see a pair of eyes about four feet off the ground, significantly taller than anything with eyes shine in my area. I understandably freak the hell out and start to back away. Then the most horrifying thing happens it stands up. Whatever was watching me is now over six feet tall, and then it talked. It said help with no emotion or cadence behind it. Duke is losing his mind trying to get away, and I decide that it is a reasonable plan. As we're running through the forest trying to get back to our house, I can hear the creature saying, help, 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 always, with five seconds apart. We mercifully make it back to the house and get inside. For the next few nights, if I looked out my window, I could still see those same eyes gazing into my soul from the woods. I don't know if it was a skinwalker, a wendigo, or what the hell I was, but I hope I never see it again to answer some questions you may have. The people saying the dog is insane for being 250 pounds. They are telling the truth. There was a typo wherein I accidentally typed 250 instead of 150. This occurred in northern Oklahoma. There was no discernible gender to the voice. There was no discernible evidence when I went back the next day. This past March of 2022, my girlfriend and I went on a camping trip headed into Clearwater, Florida. She found some remote free campsite called 17 Mile Hunt or something inside the Osceola National Forest. The closer we got to this place, the more bad feelings I was starting to get. Upon arrival, we instantly noticed a missing person flyer on the post. So now my gut is really throwing me red flags at this point. We drive down the road into the area, looking for a spot. It was empty as far as we knew, which was also very creepy to me. So, we start to set out our camp. When I'm almost done setting up the tent, this man approaches us and says, you guys aren't worried about the missing person. And I'm like, oh, should we be worried? His body language was really off, and he was asking us really weird questions. Do you have a gun or a weapon? I told him we did and was just trying to get him to go away by being short and brief with him. He eventually invited us over to smoke a joint with him later. After I told him I needed to finish setting up before dark, as soon as he walked away I threw all my shit in the car and we went to a hotel for the night instead. I had a really bad feeling something bad was going to happen to us. and I didn't want to stick around to find out. I grew up ten kilometers outside of a small village in mid-north Sweden. Close by, a lake and I played and biked around in these woods all through my life. I always had a kind of creepy feeling, but I know these areas so well. One night, five years ago, me and two friends walked out through the woods. Pitch black outside, we just used our phone lights to see the trails, to go sit by the lake and smoke. On our way back, we see some flashing, waving lights in the corner of the eye maybe fifty meters away. No sound at all. We don't hear no people. No footsteps or sticks being broken, and then a disappear. And I think I read somewhere on Reddit before about similar experiences. The thing is, where our house is there is almost no neighbors. I have no idea who or what that was. Our house is located close to the lake, with almost a swamp close to it. Lots of weird noises and things growing up in nature like that. it, I mean, there is a few houses around us with a couple of kilometers in between, but this was during winter and past midnight. Just a nature and that weird light. I'm a 20-year-old female. This takes place back when I used to live in Southern Indiana, like seriously, in the sticks. It was a weekend night, and my best friend and I were coming home after our graveyard shift at a local waffle joint. She decided to get her dog from her house so we could stay at my place for the night. That's important. Later. So we start heading out into the country while I live, and to get to my house, there's a long, narrow dirt road you have to go down. About a mile or so, we see a truck's headlights. We get closer, and it's a nice truck... Probably like a 2018 at least. I can't say I know much about cars. Leave me alone, Lowell. He's parked to where he's sideways, blocking the whole path. Confused, I get out and ask if he's okay. He looked hopeful when he saw me at first. I'm just waiting on a friend to come get me. My truck's stuck. He smiled at me, and I noticed his pupils were nearly completely dilated. He looks back to my car and sees that I have someone with me, and he looks at the dog sticking his head out the window. The smile fades. He says pit bulls are mean and nasty. He quickly turns around and gets back in his truck. I go back to my friend, and I'm like, put this shit in reverse and use whatever hood raise skills you have to get us out to here so we take my poor 95 caddy that really shouldn't be driving on a dirt. Road anyway and back all the way up down that road and get back to the main road relieved we'd take a different road home. Then, lo and behold, the same guy is parked on that road standing off to the side, smiling, just looking into our headlights. We were completely about to shit ourselves and we gunned it the rest of the way home. I don't know how he got there before us or what his intentions were, but I'm thankful I wasn't alone being my naive college girl self. In 2015, I took a trip through northern Arizona. I live in Phoenix, hiking, taking photos, and enjoying nature. At one location it was late, so I decided to park for a few hours or spend the night in my truck. I had the truck turned off with the window down. There was a huge full moon in the sky behind me. I was looking at it in my outside rear-view mirror. Then this being walked from my left to my right, about four or six feet behind the tail of my truck. It stopped and looked at me. It was about eight feet tall, very skinny, with long arms with the elbow lower than ours would be. The neck was about a foot long, pointing forward a bit, oval head and what looked like a four-foot tube extending from the jaw down forward, almost like a very long beard coming to a point. The moon was behind it, so I saw it in silhouette. It walked very slowly, like it was struggling to move. I tried to roll up my window, but the truck was off. Slowly it slightly turned its shoulders towards me and that long, freakish neck turned like an insect would. The face looking right at me. I thought that was it. I'm dead. It looked so skinny I figured it was hungry. I had my hand on the keys. If it came towards me, I'd turn the truck on, roll up the window and take off. The head turned back forward and it walked on. I waited a minute, then started the truck and took off. A few months later I decided to go back, but in the daytime I found the exact spot. There was nothing there but dirt and desert. No buildings for miles, all dirt roads. I traveled around the area since I was there, did a bit of hiking, then came upon a place and parked. It looked like an old crash site with a hole in the ground, big rocks all burned and bushes growing in it. Whatever happened there happened a long time ago. Then I heard digging sounds, like heavy machinery, trucks backing up and making the beep-beep sound, like a lot of them, but there was nothing around me for miles, just desert. I drove around a bit to see where the sound was coming from, but I was all alone out there. I went back to that spot and could clearly hear lots of trucks busy at work, like major digging construction machines. I then got on my knees and put my ear to the ground. The digging sound was coming from underground. I thought that was odd. Nothing around that would identify that area for construction. Out in the desert on a very simple road, saw no one pass by at all. Then I noticed out in the desert two big, white, shiny pickup trucks facing me. Windows were black. They seemed to appear out of nowhere. Then behind me were two more. It was just me, the four trucks, and a lot of people digging under me. I got concerned, got back in my truck, and left. After a bit... I slowed down. No one was following me, so I drove until I got to the next road. There was an underpass to the road to go north. I take a right to go south, go under the underpass, and take a left. At both exits were the same big white pickup trucks, the glass-tinted black and waiting. Whichever way I turned, one of them would be behind me. I headed south, and the truck behind me immediately took off after me. The other truck turned around and followed. The truck was right on my bumper. It was so large I couldn't see in its window, but it was tinted so dark I'd not seen anyone driving anyway. I was going 90 miles an hour. As it was right on my tail, the other one tried to overtake me. I was weaving between two lanes to keep it from passing. As I had gone into the left lane to block the second truck, the one behind me tried to pass me on my right. This went on for miles until there was an exit with a few shops there. I took that exit, and both trucks slowed, did a U-turn, and retired back. I knew they had my license plate, so I figured I was screwed. I uncovered something they didn't want to be found. So I went home and just waited for knock on the door or be shot or whatever. Nothing happened. I got no contact, no warning, nothing. I was afraid to tell my friends as they might be incriminated, too. Years passed, and nothing happened. It's been seven years now and I've never gone back to either location. By me seeing that thing walking and where I heard the digging, underground and very earthly trucks trying to run me off the road. Could there be a connection? I don't know. I stopped going out into the desert from then on. Do you have some ideas about the thing I saw? I'd love some answers. I guess we all would. I was at Mount Robson National Park, deep in the back country. We had set up our camp, and we were just relaxing around the fire. A girl, let's call her Sue, stumbled into camp, quite obviously distressed. Sue was sobbing and could barely speak. We went to her and tried to find out what had happened. Sue was in rough shape and was having difficulty communicating with us. We managed to get out of Sue that her friend was lost. We sent one person to run to the closest warden's cabin to get help. About five kilometers away they responded, and within a few hours the RCMP, Search and Rescue, and Park staff were on site. A helicopter came in to drop off people and pick up Sue to take her to the hospital for treatment. So here's what happened. Sue and her friend were hiking what is called the North Boundary Trail, a very remote part of the park that has some tricky river crossings. Sue's friend slipped on one of these crossings and fell into the fast-moving current and was swept away. Sue searched for her downstream for a full day before deciding to hike out on her own. Sue hiked out another two full days and said she didn't sleep much. Laid down once in a while, but was too scared to sleep, so just kept walking. We were the first people she saw three days after losing her friend. I never heard whether they recovered Sue's friend's body. This is probably not a very exciting story to read, but it was spooky for me at the time. I got turned around while looking for a campground. The place that I had thought was the campground entrance had shut down more than a year earlier because of pandemic, so I was out on some backwoods mountain forest road with barely any cell service. No clue where I was, and hadn't passed another human being in miles. I just kept driving down the same road through the woods until I eventually found a gravel parking lot for a hiking trail where I could pull over and try to look at a map. That's... all just to set up that I was in a very remote spot, very far from the main road, and there were no people around anywhere. I hadn't seen a person or another car in at least half an hour. I stopped right in the middle of the parking lot, since no one was around, and started trying to pull up a map on my phone. The windows to my car were down. Right away I heard footsteps crunching on the gravel, walking over to my car, and my immediate thought was that there must have been a park ranger watching the parking lot, and they were coming over to ask me if I needed help. When the footsteps were close to my car, I looked up from my phone to ask for directions, and nobody was there nobody was anywhere around me. I didn't hear any more footsteps either, like from a deer run away. I mentioned I was in the middle of an empty gravel lot, so if an animal had walked up to my car I'm pretty sure I would have seen or heard it run off. There was just nobody there. I was really freaked out and immediately rolled my windows up and drove all the way back the way I came until I found the main road, and made it all the way to an actual human town before I was brave enough to pull over and mess with the map again. I don't believe in ghosts, but I have no idea what to make of what happened. Maybe a squirrel was under my car, so I heard it come up, but then couldn't see it. It was so freaky in the moment, though. My wife and I hiked and camped quite a bit before we had our first kid, now one year old. Some backpacking, but mostly car camping that requires a good drive down a forest service road to escape people and noise. In 2016, we decided, after three nights in a national forest and adjacent national park, we'd stay at a F.S. Camp site, a change from dispersed camping ways from any town, but still a campsite with a bathroom. We had a wonderful time during the day. Swam in a lake. Yada, yada. A wasom place. The campsite was mostly busy, but with small families. One noteworthy group. Loudish people, though well out of sight, on the other side of a stand of trees. They brought many cars of all types. At least those that could drive down the road, non-paved, for a good two miles. Not bad, though. But, whatever. Let people have fun. I didn't care about the noise. Come night. We go to bed early, no fire, as we wake up early to hike before the sun beats down. The group is still loud. My wife does the earplugs. I am able to ignore it and sleep. No problem. Come 1 a.m., I wake up, perhaps due to the group noise, I don't know. I can hear fewer of them, maybe four. Five people that were audible, enough to make out every fourth or fifth word. Loud drunkenness, but it was initially friendly. Cursing, laughing. Next thing I hear a guy called a lady, a cunt. And shit goes downhill from there. Now they are yelling expletives that I can mostly make out because of the yelling. Woman and men both telling each other to off. Luckily, my wife is still out sleeping. Out of this mess of people yelling, A woman just starts screaming, shrieking. Something changed and happened to her. This wasn't just someone joining the verbal fight. This was the first time my heart rate went up. WTF is happening, even while others in the group are still yelling. I can tell the shrieking girl is moving away from the group but is still yelling loud, like distorting your voice yelling, her yells turn into words help as she moves. N.F., I can begin to tell she is getting closer to the tent site area where I am. Pause real quick. Let me give the layout of my campsite, which is key. Around one bend of a large lake, there are several camp areas, which means multiple six, twelve campsite pods, each accessible by a walking trail. There is an area to park with each campsite near each trail. The dirt road swings around the lake to each parking area. This yelling group was in the pod next to mine, not the same campsite. Screaming girl is getting closer if it's hard to yell. Then her screams for help become clear where I'm able to make out. Help, someone is trying to stab me. I can hear her move from the road to the parking area where my car is parked, coming closer to the trailhead that connects to my campsite. In my head. Def, don't come to the trail. Don't come to the trail. My tent is the first one once you enter the trail. My wife is sleeping through the yelling still. I might sound like an asshole for not jumping up and playing the hero here, but uh, I'm not touching drunk people drama. Sure enough, she starts down the trail. The trail splits and I'm on the right. I'm thinking, go left, go left. My wife is starting to wake up. Pulls out the earplug. I turn to her. It's okay, it's okay. Nope. Yelling girl turns right. Walks right up to our tent. Stands next to it. Help me, can you please help me? She is sobbing. I get up first and open the tent. In the twilight and the light from the girl's phone, I can see she is a teenager. Drunk as hell. Not bleeding or stabbed, luckily. I'm tired and don't respond well. Sputtering a bit. Saying things like, I don't know, we can't. MY WIFE POPS UP AND HANDLES THE SITUATION LIKE A BOSS, CALMING HER DOWN, ASKING HER NAME, SITTING HER DOWN ON THE PICNIC TABLE, DESCALATING. TAKE A SECOND. IMAGINE WAKING UP TO SOMEONE SCREAMING HELP AT 1 A.M. NEXT TO YOUR TENT. NOT SURE HOW MY WIFE HANDLED THAT SO WELL. THE SHORT VERSION OF GIRLS' STORY. SHE IS 16. HER COUSIN GOT JEALOUS ABOUT HUGGING HER BOYFRIEND, THREATENED AND MAYBE TRIED TO STAB THE 16-YEAR-OLD. ALL WERE DRINKING. Meanwhile, we can hear people over in the campsite continuing to rage, yelling at each other. It is now mostly just two guys yelling at each other. My wife instructs the girl to drink water and stay away from her cousin. They were going over options. And trying to use either of our phones, wife's and mine, to call police. No signal. Taymobile. Luckily, other campers have woken up and come to our area. They have a signal and called the police. Thank God. The girl has calmed down at this point and wants to leave. We are all weary as we can still hear the dudes screaming at each other. The girl abruptly leaves. Wife and I, plus two other campers, are standing in the parking area. near the trail? W.T. thing about it all. The dudes yelling in the background escalates to a fist fight. You can hear skin slaps like someone got popped falling into bushes, shouting, the four of us sitting there waiting for the police. This goes on for a while. 30 minutes and no police, understandable given the location. Suddenly the 16-year-old girl comes back. She has half a fifth of vodka in her hand. Now she is cursing. I'm gonna fur up. I have guns. My mom has a gun at the house. My wife and the two campers whip out their negotiation skills and talk her down. Wife gets sixteen-year-old, give up the bottle, and sit on the ground. Do you think messing her up is a good decision right now? I'm looking at my wife like, is that going to work? Girl's like, no. Oh, I'm such a loser with my capabilities right now. I play no useful role in all of this. The teenager then reveals that her mom is on the tribal council. She said everyone in the group is going to be in trouble over this. I didn't realize, but apparently that is important shit to people in that area. Guys in background, still yelling. A second fist fight ensues. Police finally get there. Story speeds up. In short, police get the story told to them. I see eyebrows go up when the girl mentions who her mom is. They, seemingly reluctant, pack teenager into the car, and as soon as they move her into the car, she screams violently. Door is close, and you can still hear that screaming. Fighting dudes or group must have seen the lights as that commotion stops. Police talk to them. Cops leave with the girl. Then it's quiet. Close to 3 a.m. Shaken, the wife, and I go back to our tent and discuss next steps. Should we stay? Decided we were leave first thing in the morning. But while lying there as if to sleep, only five minutes later, the group again begins to shout at each other. Expletives more along the lines of we're messed and fluffy. Nope we're out. So in the dark, we quietly pack the car. For some reason, wife and I were concerned the group will hear us. The tent goes in unfolded. Fast. Once everything is in, when we start the car, suddenly one of the dudes from the fighting group sprints over to our parking lot like he's about to stop us. First time seeing him. Shirtless skinny guy in shorts. I accelerate quickly toward him. He is in the middle of the lot then turn toward the road and get out of there. Nearly three hours of driving back to the city. My boyfriend and I were on an epic camping trip to the Yukon one summer a couple years back. We decided to check out this cute town called Etlin and stay the night at a campsite we hadn't originally planned to stay at. Was recommended by our campsite neighbor earlier in the trip, It was a long day of driving, and we had about an hour of light to set up camp and make dinner, and it was very misty and looked like rain. The site was the last one down this long road that had many sights along the way, but we were the only ones for a few kilometers. We had set up the tent by this time, and were getting dinner ready, when somewhere close in the forest we heard a loud crashing noise. Well, being in northern, northern British Columbia, my boyfriend freaks the F out, thinking it's a bear running through the forest to eat us. He screams quick, It's a bear! Get in the car! We both jumped in the car and locked the doors behind us. After a few minutes of deep breathing, we realized it was probably just a tree falling or something. We got out of the car, looked around. Nothing was around. But the eerie on edge feeling didn't go away, so we decided to skip the campfire that night and settle into our tent. Laying our anxious heads down, we were thinking we wouldn't sleep at all that night. Thankfully, there was a babbling creek right next to us, which lulled us to sleep, surprisingly the best sleep of the trip. This incident took place in 1993. I was in a fishing boat with my father and grandfather in the Potomac River in the Sidling Hill Wildlife Management Area, Washington County, Maryland. We had been on my father's boat. "'fishing for a few hours already. "'My father's girlfriend was also on the boat, "'which wasn't all that large, "'maybe the size of a regular sedan vehicle. "'Anyway, my father and his girlfriend "'were looking out towards the front of the boat, "'and I and my granddad were fishing off the back half of the boat. "'I and my grandfather were simply talking about whatever "'and fishing when all of a sudden "'we looked about maybe twenty yards away from where we were, "'and I see it. "'I'm not too sure what it was, but I'll try to describe what I saw. I saw a creature about the size of a large alligator, maybe six, seven feet in length, but the creature was definitely not an alligator. It had a grayish-brown color and smooth skin like that of a dolphin. I remember seeing flippers on it, but I don't remember how many, although I do know it was more than two. I never actually saw its head or tail. Just its midsection. I didn't know what it was doing, but I remember seeing the creature sort of rolling around as an alligator or a crocodile would do while trying to bite a chunk of flesh off an animal. I remember comparing what I saw to a log rolling in the water. The animal rolled for a few seconds and then disappeared before either one of us could call my dad to check it out. I remember after seeing it both me and my grandfather looked at each other in disbelief. My father always did think we were just playing. I know what I saw, and it freaked me out. More so because I had been swimming in that same area a few days before the incident. To this day, I don't know what it was. This event happened to me and a friend from out of town that I had invited to go hunting one afternoon. This location was in South Louisiana, in an area with thick woods and a lot of palmetto up to six foot in height in some places. The water we had to walk in to get to my deer stands were up to our waist at times, so it was slow moving in the mile we had to walk to our deer stands. My friend wasn't used to this tough terrain, but he kept up. When I got to the first stand, which was fifteen feet off the ground with a ladder to climb up, I told him I would be by to pick him up about a half hour after dark, since I was a half mile past him. We had a full moon that was reflecting off the water, allowing us to hunt a few minutes longer. When it became too dark to see, I climbed down from my deer stand with my rifle on my shoulder and started walking slowly towards my friend to pick him up. When I was almost to his stand, I shined my light up, and he wasn't in the stand. So I shined my light on the ground at the bottom of the stand, and there he was, leaning back against the tree. The stand was on. What was odd was he wouldn't look my way even after me calling his name. So. I walked up to him within a couple of feet and asked if he was ready to go. That's when he finally turned his head and looked towards me. What I saw in his face scared me so bad that I took my rifle off my shoulder, putting it between me and him. His eyes were rolled back in his head and his mouth was wide open, just standing there looking at me, not saying a word. He was not answering me when I was asking what's wrong. So there I was mile or so back in the woods with solid palmettos, and up to my waist in water with my good friend looking at me as if he was possessed or something. Yes, at this point, I was scared. So I finally slapped his face, and he snapped back to himself. I asked if he was okay. His only words were, ''Let's get out of here now.'' With me not knowing what the F was going on, I made him walk in front of me the whole way back to the truck and we got in and left without saying a word. I asked him what happened in the woods. Why did he look shocked or possessed? That's when he started crying and started telling me how he was sitting there in the stand when he heard something coming through the water, moving palmados as it was walking. When it got close enough to see what it was, he said it was a man that looked like he had been skinned alive. He had no skin at all on him and he said he was so scared that after this thing had passed him, he climbed down and hid under the stand against the tree, so it wouldn't see him if it came back. He was in shock when I got to him. That's why he had looked like he did. He was so shook up and crying that I made him pull over for me to drive. Well, a week went by and I was talking to my lyle cousin who had gone on a tour at a near Indian memorial, They were explaining how this Indian tribe would skin men of the tribe alive and turn them loose in the woods when they had committed a serious crime in the tribe. My friend, who had witnessed this skinned man a week earlier, wasn't from around this area, had no way of knowing this. So what did he see that put him in shock? Was it a ghost of one of these Indians who was skinned alive years ago? I don't know. I just know the shape my friend was in when I got to him that night in the woods. Something I'll never forget. I'm sorry for the long read and excuse my typing. I'm on my cell phone.